Oh, welcome to Scouting Synopsis. And today we're going to be talking the New England Revolution. Rest in peace, Bruce Arena. What happens now? I don't know, but that's what we're here to figure out. Carlos Heel happens now. That's right. We got yeah. Chris, the MLS happy hour guy to come help us out. And our special guest, Rev So Rare, a.k.a. AJ Allen. Always dropping the hottest info in the Major League So Rare Discord. You know him. You love him. Welcome to the show. Oh, there he is. Here we go. Hello. Sorry. Thanks for having me on the show. Good first impression, but um, glad to be here. (laughs) You're just building up suspense as we're going. Exactly. Exactly. Everyone was waiting for the the, the right moment. Yeah. Anyway, tell me about this team. The vibes were bad last year. How Mm -hmm. did you feel? And uh, how are you feeling now? You know, totally didn't plan the mic muting, but that's kind of like a kind of a, a metaphor of how the season went. You know, we the preseason, we were all talking, having a good time. Everything's going well. Boom. Everything hits. Shit hits the fan. Um, no, last year, I mean, as a Revs fan, you go into the year and you're kind of like you try and tamper your expectations because uh, nothing has ever gone well. Um, but then things happen and everyone gets hyped and the season goes well. And I mean, even last year, you kind of thought that Bruce was going to be the coach that would you know, buck the trend would bring us to a title. Um, and I think we were trending in that direction, um, had slowly gotten better and better, it seemed, over years, over his tenure. Um, and then stuff happened behind the scenes and everything kind of fell apart. And it was really, really no surprise. It was kind of a long, slow death uh, once August hit last year um, where everything kind of fell apart. But um, I think this year, I mean, uh, a bunch of MLS writers, and I, I happen to agree that this was one of the better job openings in the year because all the pieces were there. There wasn't a ton to um, improve upon this year going into the season. Um, so I think that if things go our way, um, and MLS is a long season and nothing ever seems to go the way you think, um, hopefully we're in the title run at the end of the year and we're we're pushing for at least one trophy um somewhere in there which would be nice so i I think two years ago right it was or three years ago you guys were the best team ever and Mm -hmm. had all this all this like huge record points and everyone's like oh the revs are gonna be here forever they brought back carlos they brought back uh bo um and it's it's kind of looking at that perspective of like mls is a crazy season year to year and things change drastically year to year right Mm-hmm. Um, so you kind of, you kind of hit that down spiral a little bit. And now I think it's almost the opposite, right? MLS is a crazy season year to year. You guys are now the ones that are down, mm-hmm. um, and you have so much room to grow and so much room to get better. Um, and you definitely have the talent there. I mean, Dylan Barrero not being there for a mm-hmm. whole year is definitely hurt. Um, you've got young pieces, you've got veterans, you've got really everything that you kind of look for with a championship caliber team. Um, Tell me why these pieces can all fit together, specifically under Caleb Porter, because he's a guy that's been very hot and cold. It's either yeah. worked really well and he's won the cup, or it has not worked at all and he's gotten fired. So tell no, me he why wins this and is then crashes work. and burns after. That's yes, that's Caleb Porter. Work. Yeah, exactly. And and I mean, as a rest fan, you'll take that because uh, that would be the only win we've ever had. Um, <laughs> and I mean, I'll, I'll admit, Caleb Porter wasn't on my list, wasn't the top of my list for a hire. I of course wanted the crafts to shoot big and get some European coach. Um, that clearly wasn't going to happen. Um, but I want to Robin Frazier over Caleb Porter. Cause I kind of liked what he did with Colorado with kind of a less funds and a, a lesser talented team than what we have. Um, but when the Porter news came out, um, like you guys said, kind of look at his resume and he is, he's 
he's a winner and a loser, um, but we've never really been winners. Um, so in specifically his formation, he loves playing with a lone striker and he loves playing with that sort of um, dynamic attacking mid, most recently Zella, um, to win with the crew. So, I mean, I think that specifically works with our strength, Carlos Hill. Um, and I think this team also can work with that. I think this is probably one of the most talented and most and highest potential teams we've had. Um, barring a few key positions, but I still think that they have the room to hit those ceilings. Um, like Carlos Hill is going to be Carlos Hill. When Dylan Barrero's back, we have, I think, one of the most dangerous wing duos with him and Chonkalai. Um, And then it really does come down to the two key positions, which will be striker and goalie, and whether or not those two um, can kind of hit their stride. And if they can, it could be dangerous. Remember, Defense matters. And you've got Henry Kessler that underperformed massively last year. You brought in Nick Lima this year. You've got Dave Cromney here. You've got Andrew Farrell. You've got Jonathan Mensah. You've got a lot of pieces that have been in the past solid MLS players. Um, I think it, when it was at its best, this team kind of was very solid defensively. Walk me through kind of the, the goalkeeper and the defender situation. Um, and kind of what you expect from this team at the back as far as not conceding goals. Yeah, back in the Supporters' Shield season, um, that really was the identity of the team. Like, we won so many games, one nothing or 2-1 or whatever, these really low-scoring games. Matt Turner kept us in every single game, basically. We were able to nick one on the counter, or, or Buxo had had one in. Um, and, I mean, last year, it was almost the opposite. Petrovic was still keeping us in games, but, like, they was just, he was just getting peppered, and we there was nothing he could do about it. Um, and I think this year, I mean, Dave Romney last year, um, I'm not really quite sure what Nashville was doing with the trade. It felt like a weird trade for them, um, going into it, sending basically an Iron Man over, um, for relatively cheap, if I remember correctly, it wasn't a ton of, a ton of gam or Tam, um, not an international spot and not like, a no, I don't know what the deal was with that. I don't know if Bruce was able to pull any strings or whatever. Um, but he was solid. Henry Kessler is starting to become injury prone starting to get that tag um but we have really lacked that second center back and i think if he stays healthy um he and romney are definitely our best center backs farrell is starting to get over the hill club legends and all wish him the best i don't think that if everything if everyone's healthy he should see the field because he has one moment every game where you're like dude what are you doing this is one of those where he leads to an xg of like 0.5 um and I think the, the question mark is going to be the goalie. But, I mean, the big thing that the Revs did this offseason is they kept um, Kevin Hitchcock, who was their goalkeeper coach. Um, and he was responsible for turning Turner into what he is. He scouted um, George Petrovich, and apparently he has been hands-on with um, Henrik Ravas, who was the new goalie. So um, if they can go three for three here and nail it, I think that there is good potential to, to see a bunch of clean sheets this year. But it's it's one of those things too, where like you look at the goalkeeper position, and like even though they're bringing in, they brought in the new Polish guy, like it's great. But like there's no red flags whatsoever for me, where I'm just like, yeah, of course you're gonna lock this guy in, because New England has proven that no matter what they do, I mean Matt Turner was a nobody, just a walk on basically, and then mm-hmm. turned in. I mean he's not doing so great right now, you know. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> hey, he got <laughs> them through the FA Cup, okay? Yeah, big penalty kick save. Yeah, degrees there, so. Have you looked yeah. into the goalkeeper at all? Have you seen, like, do you like what you've seen from, like, highlights or anything? Like, tell me a little bit about him. Real quick. 
Also, tell us why Earl Edwards is the best goalkeeper on the roster because he's a okay. former DC guy. Okay. So I love him. Right. Yeah, down. Earl's great. And 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 speaking of last year, especially like they kind of got screwed where Petrovic wanted to make a move and they didn't really have a lot of time to get anyone else in. So they were forced to go back and sign free agents, which is where Vaklik, Vachlich, he didn't even play a game. I don't even know how to pronounce his name, um, came in and he wasn't, and the goalkeeper coach didn't want him or whatever. And so there was a big mess with that. But um, love Earl. Earl is great. Uh, He needs to work on his penalty kick, uh, his penalty saves, as uh, he was not very good at them. But um, yeah, Ravas is different where he... He doesn't fit the same mold. I thought that they would continue to be almost like a pipeline because they've proven now that they can send goalkeepers onto Europe and potentially the Premier League. So you would think that young goalkeepers would look at this sort of team and be like, okay, I can go here. I can work with Hitchcock and I can make my way into bigger and better things, which is kind of where the league is trending, almost being like a filler league. Um, But he's like 26 or 27, I think. He had a couple of failed stints in England um, and then went to, I think... Slovakia, Poland, I'm not quite sure. Um, and he's been there and he's been outstanding for the team he's at. So again, we're at the stage where I'm putting trust, I'm giving them the green light. Whatever they think is right is probably right. Um, and he's there's really they've been kind of behind closed doors. None of their scrimmages have been um streamed. There hasn't been a ton of news with anything like that. Um, so we haven't really gotten a full look at him yet, but um from what I can tell, um he should be at least starting quality, which is what we ask. Yeah. Well, I'll let you know because the Reds are coming to Orlando for a preseason game this week, actually. So uh, <laughs> that'll be big. Maybe, maybe we should have saved this episode for later. Right? <laughs> no wonder we're doing this episode now. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I got to know what I'm going into, right? I got to go sound smart with my friends, be like, oh, yeah, this guy, New England, dude. Yeah, I totally know about this guy for sure. Uh, I know we touched on the defenders a little bit too, but mm-hmm. where do you see Jonathan Mensah sitting in this? Like, he's a Caleb Porter guy. Like, that relationship mm-hmm. is there. What do you see his role being this year? Yeah, a lot of people um messaged me or tagged me and asked what he would do because they're holding either dave romney's or kessler's or whatever um porter came in and in one of his first interviews a really long interview with the revs um, website and he mentioned that he is going to rotate heavily um especially early on with the ccl revs have a kind of a tough schedule where they're away in the ccl which i think is uh, i don't even know where somewhere um down near mexico and then they're back up for a game i think they open the season that weekend after a Wednesday Mm -hmm. and then they're back home, whatever playing. And so they have a lot of games in quick succession right after preseason. Um, So I see a lot of rotation. I see Mensa definitely not starting. Like I said, if everything is set, I think it'll be Rami and Kessler um, if they stay with the traditional four back. Um, But um, because especially because Mensa didn't do that great. If I recall correctly last year with the earthquakes, he wasn't starting every game. I don't know if that was a coach's decision or if it was a fitness or whatever, but I know he didn't play a ton there. Um, I'm assuming that he is some sort of person that would come in and offer some sort of depth, especially because um, Andrew Farrell is probably going to have to be the back of it right back with Nick Lima coming there and um, Brandon buyout. So we're already thin at center back um, at that point, especially with Omar leaving as well. So I think he provides kind of that depth off the bench um, as they wait for the younger kids like Ben Reveno to, to take a step up. Who's the left back for this team too? Dewan Jones. And so, they just re-signed him too, didn't they? They did, yes. So he he was everywhere. He played, um, I think, forward in college, and then they immediately moved him to left back um, as soon as he came out of the league, or right back or left back, one or the other. And he's he's not originally a lefty, so he's done very well to 
to hone his talent and become a at least two footed. What's what's the status on Brandon Bay? Because before he got hurt, he was doing really good. Like I just happened to have one in my gallery, and he was just smashing. I was like, "Dude, this is awesome!" And then he got hurt, and I was very upset. So, is he close to coming back? And I mean, is he going to get his spot back, or is he going to have to fight for that? Yeah, you know, it's those classic turf discussions now, um, because he and Dylan Barrera both tore their ACL um, at very similar times of the year. I think Brandon they mentioned that his timeline, I think, was earlier midsummer which is why exactly they um they went and picked up nick lima um to fill that gap there but when he comes back he should i think be a starter he was getting sniffs from the national team but he's kind of old to be honest to be getting those calls and i think also too old for europe at this point as well because his performance um it was good it wasn't fantastic the revs they did really well in 21 with buxa who was more of a target forward and by and jones could just whip in crosses to him um but since they've lacked that since then, um, a lot of crosses go wayward. A lot of passes go wayward from those two. Um, but I think when he comes back that he'll be another solid option. There you go. But in other words, like, I'm going to stay away from this New England defense because everything you just said was like, yeah, there's going to be rotations to be all this stuff. Means- They're going to figure it out. It'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah. I think Romney is definitely the safest. But, I mean, until we find out what Porter wants to do and how he's going to attack things, it will be a bit of a crapshoot. Romney also doesn't have that upside. Like he's very consistent, but he doesn't. He's not going to put up forty a in a game. Like, no. Let's be honest. You know, um, Kessler almost has more of that upside. Yeah. Is that kind of the defender you go for, or is it you know buy and wait? Is it you know Dewan Jones is a midfielder mm-hmm. card? Like, what's the defender at this team that you really want so rare wise? Yeah, I think like you mentioned, like Romney kind of is that classic. 50 base score consistently maybe gets you like a 70 or 80 if he's able to put one in the net but even then he's not really that much of an aerial threat at least from what i've seen from him um dewan jones does have defender cards which are older season cards now so can't be used in some of the newer ones of course and they're rarer but um i like that card and i also like kessler's card as well just for, for like you said kessler has the ability to he does really well in the matrix um when he plays um and Dewan as well just gets up in the field and he's always deep in and high up on the revs roster in terms of like expected assists or deep passes or stuff like that. So he's always up there. There you go. Now the big, the big, the big talk about new England, right. Is always the midfield. You have the star studded nacho. Matt Polster. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That was, that was good. It's almost like we planned that. Um, listen, man. Carlos Hill, is he going to continue to be the guy? There's, I mean, at the end of the season, I don't think I've ever seen him as mad as I saw him in those playoffs. Like, you could just tell he was over it. He was ready for the season to be over. He just wanted mm-hmm. nothing to do with the way it ended. So uh, are the are the vibes, like, unfixable? Like, you think he's going to come back and just be like, this is my team. We're going to get mm-hmm. things back on track and bang hundreds every week. Yeah, it's really surprising because um, Boston – and and foxborough of course don't really have the same pull as like an la a miami a florida anything like that just because of the weather um and so it's really funny to see a spaniard living in boston um and kind of thriving um and he apparently really likes it i know where he he lives in a a really nice part of boston um and he seems to really like the town in the area so as long as his brother's here as well um i don't see him necessarily moving on if that's what you're asking recently, but in terms of the vibes, I think, yeah, I think that he is 
a competitor at heart. And I think that he did like Bruce. He definitely liked Bruce a lot, but he and Bruce butt heads a lot. There were times where he would yell at the sidelines and yell at Bruce and Bruce wouldn't change his tactics or whatever um, and stuff like that. I think he realized that he was a good coach. He was a historic coach. And so he dealt with a lot of stuff, but I think he and Caleb Porter should have more of an open conversation um, from the start. And yeah, at the end of the season, the writing was on the wall. Basically everyone said from, from August onwards. So it was kind of a slow falling out. Um, And so I can understand why he'd be disappointed and angry. So I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit here. So Mm -hmm. he averaged, he's so far, He's averaged a 68-4 across mm-hmm. everything in MLS so far. Where does he average this year? I'm not going to cop out, but I will preface this by saying it does depend on the forward that he has. Because honestly, last year, our forwards were kind of garbage. So I think he had so many assists, so many whiffs that I, I could I could not imagine. So I think he, he probably does Wait, score are you I think throwing? He's... Are you throwing shade on Giacomo Vrioni? Hold on a second. Isn't he a DP? He is a DP. Uh, <laughs> I am I am heavily invested in him, so I do want him to do well. Um, but yes, there was a lot of moments with him and Bobby Wood as well, and with Gustavo Bo not being there and hurt. Um, there was a lot of whiffs, and so that did lead to him also being more and more annoyed. Um, but I think he can average more than that, honestly, next year. I think that I could see 65 plus, 67 plus for him. If he can do it on a bad team, if this team figures it out yeah. and starts smashing, yeah. what, what are you going to do? Back back here in the day, he was throwing up hundreds for fun. Like, yeah. back here, there's like 100, 100, 100, 100, 98, yeah. 95, 95, 95, 100. Yeah, it's... In this team, if they get it together and everything gels, it's going to be the most talented team that he's played with, probably, in terms of attacking talent around him. Because in the past, Buxa was great. He didn't really offer a ton in the build-up play. Um, he was mainly just the final target man in that sense. And Bo as well, they work together. But I think with Chunkalai and um, Barrero on the wings that it'll be an absurd amount of talent around him. Are there any other young guys or like other midfielders that you would kind of be targeting for this team specifically either to step up or to kind of outperform last year. Because obviously if you got Polster, who's again like a Romney, mm-hmm. like a 50 guy and not really got that ceiling. You've got Dewan Jones here. You've got Mark Anthony K. Again, not Ish. super exciting. <laughs> um, like Noel Buck, maybe. Dylan Barrero, Paniatsu. Like how does that mm-hmm. – like who's who's the guy you're looking at out of, out of all these guys? Yeah. The Revs Academy – um, has started to produce a lot of talent lately. And there were kind of three stars that were highlighted a few years ago that have kind of come into prominence as well at the main team. So that's Noel Buck, um, Jack Paniyodu, and Esmir Bayraktarevich, um, who I think is a forward card in this game. Yeah. Um, Noel Buck was the one who really burst on the scene first, um, as everyone saw last year at the start of the year, scoring a lot of goals, getting England interest um, from championship teams. But he kind of disappeared at the end of the year. There were moments mm-hmm. where he was on the field and we didn't, I didn't notice him for legitimately almost an entire half. Um, so he kind of fell off, but I think that he will need to earn his spot more uh, because the midfield's kind of crowded. Like you mentioned, there's Polster, Mark Anthony Kay, um, Ian Harks, Carlos Hill. There's four spots there for four people for three spots. Um, so, like, like I said, with the pull, with the uh, Caleb Porter rotation, he'll get time, um, but he just really needs to take advantage of that. Um, I do have friends that work um, with the Revs Academy, and they did mention that out of all those three of them, 
um, that Esmir was by far the most talented one that they'd seen come yeah. through the process. Um, he recently got called up to the actual U.S. national team um, with for the January camp, um, which is kind of a faux camp, but um, whatever. Um, and he did really well. Um, and I think that he actually has a chance to start game day one uh, because Dylan really? Barrera is going to be out. Um, I see a world where he starts at right wing the first game week. Interesting. Ooh, a little alpha dropping in there for y'all. What yeah. are so what has to happen for that to well you said you said what's his face is out and then Chonk is on the other side so yeah. it's almost like for sure it's not for sure Nacho Heel is there but his he's kind of we know what he is now and he has moments where he legitimately could be one of the better the best players on the field when he works when he gels with his brother and then there's moments where he just kind of disappears like there was a stretch midway through the year where he was involved in everything he was dynamic and then towards the end of the year he couldn't even get on the field um so it really depends on the preseason camp and how things are going there um but i think there there's definitely a shot that esmir um could start in the wing this is not your heel by the way um yeah i mean i think out of all of these guys i think long term by rectanovich is kind of the one that i'm most excited to own um i watched early last year uh, mm -hmm. DC New England, which was one of the few games that I actually watched. Um, and him and uh, Noel Buck really stood out to me in that game. And I think all three of the Academy guys started that game. Um, and they all kind of impressed me, but I think yeah. those two specifically stood out as like, these guys are going to be pretty good. Yeah. Um, and granted, it's against DC. It's so like, it's not the greatest competition in the world, but yeah. you got to play who you're, you, who you're playing. Um, and, and those guys definitely have a ton of technical ability. Yeah. Um, as far as actual expectations for um, for Byrak Tanovich specifically, um, you mentioned he'll start kind of when Dylan Barrero potentially when Dylan Barrero is not there. Um, what do you think he actually scores? Like, what do you th do you think he has a high upside? Is he, you know, kind of an attacking mid that's going to mm -hmm. put out twenty AA uh, mm -hmm. potentially score a goal? Um, is he like a you know a fifty type guy? Like, where is he mm -hmm. in your mind as far as Sower potential? Yeah, it really depends because he and Paniyotu are at an awkward stage where, like I've been um, talking about Jack Lynn, uh, where they're almost too good for um, the the second division, but Next not good bro. enough yeah. for yeah for the for the first team because they they dropped down and they played Revs two when they needed minutes and they dominated and they would always be on the score sheet or whatever and that's one of the reasons Revs two was was pretty high up um, in the league that year. If he plays, um, he's very technical. He, um, as everyone has a nickname, so take this with a grain of salt, but I think he's like the Wisconsin or Milwaukee Messi or something like that. So, I mean, again, <laughs> take that. Everyone's called that nowadays. Um, but very technical, um, very confident on the ball. Um, so he could take players on, which I think does very well in the matrix. Um, and if he's up in the field, he will be attached to heel, be attached to Chonkalai and be attached to Brioni. So um, I think there's there's opportunity for plenty of decisives. And I think he could, he could have good AA. It's difficult in this offense, other than Heal, to have good AA because he just dominates the ball so Heel's much. He's the only one on the ball. Yeah, he just—he's—it's it, a magnet to him. So um, the wingers can tend to do still pretty well. Like Chonkalai still did pretty well last year, um, but he was almost at the point of selfish, like taking the ball and driving to the nets. Uh, there are plenty of times where he probably could have passed. Um, so there, the opportunities there, but with with Heal the AA is a bit capped 
Um, decisives can go through the roof for sure, but AA is kind of still um, limited. So I don't know if you know this, but there is actually a position called a number nine striker where mm. you don't have the ball at your feet all the time. Haven't had one of those. Yeah, exactly. Um, so you've got Frioni, you've got Bobby Wood. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, are we excited about these options? Look, Rioni was really good. I forget what league he came from. He came from a smaller league in Europe, um, and he was the top goal scorer there. He was a Juventus product, and then he went to – I forget which team it was, and he dominated. Um, and he just kind of provides this pace over the top that we haven't had for a he while. Austria, it looks like. Yes, the Austrian league, yeah. And you can see by those scores, like he was – he was dynamite. Sure. Um, he was on the score sheet every every week, um, and then he got here, and it, it's it's funny because the way I think that we're going to line up, and the way Porter loves to line up, is kind of like a four two three one with a with a lone striker. I don't think Vrioni plays very well in a lone striker role. He seems kind of isolated. He can't really get involved, um, and I feel like he's one of those guys that like he's not like a Jamie Vardy that can get ten touches a game and be locked in and score on two of those touches. He almost needs to be involved in the game and working together. And we saw this one stretch where the Revs randomly decided to play with two strikers and it was him, Bo, and Heel almost in a triangle. And that was the best game they that all three had played together. Um, the opportunities will be there. It just depends on can he put the ball in the net. I know Heel and him are very close. I, they live in the same building um, in Boston. I know their wives um, hang out all the time. Is that weird for me to know? Maybe. Um, Instagram reporting, baby. That's, that's social media, exactly. Um, he's actually there so, too, hanging out as well. That's all he does. <laughs> yeah. So, so they're they're very close. So, I there was rumors that he would be bought out this year. I didn't think it was going to happen. Um, but he he definitely does probably have until the summer to prove it. If he doesn't have six, seven goals by July, he's probably out of here. Um, and they move to bring in a number nine. At that, they'll still be within striking distance. Um, but the, they'll probably move on from him at that point. But I think he has the potential. As you see, he is a goal scorer at heart. So, um, so put it together. I want to bring your attention to his graph here. Um, because like when he starts, he's actually not that bad. He's a 50-ish, 48, high, mm-hmm. high, you know, high 40s, low 50s type of guy that's that's got some potential to throw up a 70. Like he can be valuable mm-hmm. so rare. The question really is, I throw his starts back in here and he bops down to a 38. Um, is he going to start every game? That's that's really the the key here. Like, if he starts every game and he throws up fifty, he's worth a lot more than what he's currently going for. Um, yeah. Is he the number nine, or is Bobby Wood in that conversation? There was a weird. It was a really weird stretch last year to start the year. So I for, I think he was injured, um, and so he didn't start the first two games. Um, he didn't even play. And Bobby Wood, I think, scored. And Bruce is very loyal. Bruce was also very stubborn. Um, and so if you're scoring, you have a longer leash. So I think Bobby scored like once every three or four games, which isn't great, but it was like enough to, to put the leash back out there. Um, and, and fans were asking like, where's, can we please play Vrioni? Like where's our DP? Why is our DP coming off the bench? Um, and so that, that was one of the the pitfalls of Bruce, um, love him to death, but, um, yeah, he this should. Is, this he, is the first two months. His graph here for the first two months. Yeah, started, exactly. That's started what it was. the first game down here, um, and then subbed a bunch, and then kind of came on and scored. Didn't play, subbed, and just yeah, was it was never starting. It was a mess. Um, the, we don't really know why the revs are notoriously bad with information. Uh, 
there's nothing to do with like the, the beat reporters. They do all they can, but there's nothing coming out of there half the time. Um, That's but, full Bruce, I bet you. Exactly. The it's also the, the, yeah. it's the crafts and the MLS too. That's just what they do. The um, notorious lower body injury. Oh, exactly. Exactly. Um, but if he, if there's no reason that he shouldn't start the year and, and Porter did put a public word and stamp of approval on him um, in that long interview he did saying like, this is our guy. He's our guy. Uh, we're running with this. So he should start as long as he's not injured. Um, should get a good run of form. And I mean, especially as a striker, like you need that run of form. Like you, it does nothing for you. It does nothing for your confidence, for your, for your rhythm, if you're coming in subs. And I did do the math at one point because I was vehemently defending him um, to the masses where I think for the first half of the year, I think he only played with heel for at most like 90 minutes because like heel would either sub out or he would sub in for 15 minutes or heel was injured. Like the, the only few games they started, I think they, they both played in the sport in Kansas city game and, and look how that one ended up. Scored two um, out of 75. So exactly. So that that's where I kind of go with that. But I mean, he still has a lot to prove this year. I'm a, I've been looking at it because I've thought about it. Like, you know, you always got to go left when everyone's going right. And everybody's so down on Brioni. I'm like, hey, maybe this is year, new coach, new system. Mm -hmm. Like, last year was about as bad as it gets. You know, yeah. maybe it is. But the only reason I have it is because I need you to tell me about my guy, Thomas Chonkalai. Because since he came into the league, I've been high on him. I planted my flag. I tweeted about it on the Silver Red Estates account. I was like, he's going to be one of the mm -hmm. best forwards. Am I just like crazy? Am I like making fantasies in my head? Or how, how do you rate yes. him? What did you see last year? And uh, what are you projecting this year? No, he's great. So there's someone that I'm, I'm, I'm friends with um, that said that he was known uh, at his previous team as the donkey, uh, translated. Um, <laughs> Which does fit because he will give you both a red card and a goal in 60 minutes time. Notice he that. is he is nuts. He is he is awesome. He's full pell mell, full uh, full tilt at all times. Uh, he drives at players. He is electric on the ball. He's not afraid to shoot from anywhere. Um, and he 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 can do that on this team where he he can get the ball in space and drive. Um, this is his graph is, from Racing Club, by the way, for context. Yeah, I'm pretty sure there's probably. Yeah, three red cards. There you go. Yes. Um, so yeah, he is he is definitely a lot, but he is what the team needed because the, half the time the ball is the, the plan is pass to heal and pray. That really is what it is, and he he that's why he's such good at a half the time. Um, but they do need creators on the wing, and that's what he provides. Um, just someone that can take the pressure off him and drive and cross and shoot and kind of be on the end of things. So he, I'm expecting a big year. It's not really sharp to say that everyone's saying that um, at this point. Um, but there, there is, again, when you're tied to someone like Carlos Heel, it's, it's not impossible to put out 10 goals, five assists. It's, it's really not. Gustavo Bo would do that consistently. He was great. Love him to death, but he wasn't, he wasn't the most talented. So his, his AA is eight, six as a, as a new England revolution player, mm -hmm. he scored six goals in 13 games. That's a pretty high, you know, mark. If you translate mm -hmm. that for a whole year, that's 17 goals. Um, What's his realistic floor ceiling for scoring? Yeah, like I said, um, with heel He's in the ball, fifty-two-one as a as a rep so far. With heel in the midfield, he he dominates the ball. So that that does again speak to why the AA is just low all the time because it's heel finding these passes, finding these through balls, and everything. Um, floor probably zero as we mentioned red cards everything like that he can be a bit of a menace but uh, in reality if he's not doing that he's going to be he's going to at least get you like a 40 45 just from from driving and trying to create some stuff um ceiling i mean 
probably in the eighties is, is, is my prediction with that just because he's going to get a lot of chances next year. He's going to have a lot of time running against outside backs, um, which he, he can do pretty well and then cut inside um, and he'll be taking a lot of shots. So as long as they're on target, he'll be raking up those points. Last question with him. How many goals and assists does he have this year in MLS play? 10 plus. Definitely. I predict him probably I'll say 12 and five. He doesn't really like to pass a lot, but I think there'll be a couple of times you'll absolutely have to. Yeah. I think that'll be one thing that they're like, all right, like you came, you showed off, you showed a little (laughs) flair, like, all right, let's reel it back in. Like, we know what you can do. Exactly. Uh, Let's make it happen. (laughs) He almost reminds me like of a bow-esque type where like he's going to stretch the field, he's going to get fine space, and then he's just going to bang one from like outside of the box. And it's just like, you're going to focus on heel or you're just going to let him have space. And it it works perfect. Yeah, exactly. Um, for those who don't know, because we haven't seen much, tell me about Barrero. Yeah, so Dylan, we haven't really talked about him. Yeah, he came in from the Brazilian league, and he was really young, and it was kind of um, – he was supposed to be the Tejon Buchanan replacement, um, kind of as the the electric force off the wing, kind of giving some help. And as you can see, he's just had such a bad stretch of Oof. injuries. Um, not great, I know. Um, he's constantly been injured. I don't think the turf does does well for him. Um, but when he's on the field, he is very dynamic and he offers kind of chunk live, but less polished in that sense. I think he's still 20 or 21. So he's still very young. He's 22. Um, 22. Yeah. yeah. So he's still very, very young, super new in a new country. I wasn't expecting a lot his first year. Um, but last year was kind of supposed to be, supposed to be the year he, he took a step. Um, and unfortunately the injury cut that short, but when he's on the field, um, he's pretty good. He can disappear at times. Uh, there are times, there are games where you just don't notice him, uh, which can't really happen if you're um, a winger in the system. But um, he really does well when Brandon Bai is playing as well. So Bai was hurt a couple of times and he was away um, for other times. So when they're on the field together, uh, really the synergy is, is, is what affects. When the outside backs, the outside backs are so key to the wingers, in um, at least in Bruce's system. And I assume that Caleb Porter's sister... Caleb Porter's system is is relatively similar um, just because they're pushing up the field so much. You always have to know where they are. You have to be able to play the one-twos, track back on defense, stuff like that. Um, so that that's what Brandon and Tejon were able to do really well. Um, but it seemed like he and Barrero at times couldn't be on the same page. So um, that's definitely something they're working. But I don't think he's back until early summer. So um, still a lot of time there. And you're, you're talking about a guy that when he started was a 51-6 for new england so far so like definitely has that potential can throw up an 80 um has you know pretty decent aa for forward cards so definitely mm-hmm. very valuable when he when he eventually does get back into the system oh, yeah, um definitely. now when when we kind of talk about the the stack right for for new england if you're going to put mm-hmm. together a full stack who are you are you putting in the stack to kind of to kind of get those high scores mm-hmm. um Classic Revza, they don't have a minted goalie uh, to start the year, but um, when Ravas comes, uh, so he it's will Earl be the guy. Edwards Jr. <laughs> he has, it has to be him. Has to be King Earl. Yes. Uh, <laughs> um, it'll be it'll be Ravas, of course, in that. Um, if I'm going defender, I'm either going um, Dewan or Kessler. I lean Kessler just because he's his floor seems to be a little bit better um, than Dewan's floor. Dewan has games where he just puts up stinkers, right? Like he's in the attack, he's losing the ball. Um, which I don't think does very well for defenders lost possession. Um, so Dewan is, is very boomer bust. He can 
easily give you a hundred one game and then drop like a 20 or whatever. Um, so I'll, I'll start with Kessler to start that out. Um, and then midfields have the funds. Nacho heel. heel. <laughs> but if you want a sneaky cheaper option there, uh, Mark Anthony K, when he plays, um, he wins so many tackles. Uh, when he was with TFC, he would routinely drop like 80 pluses and that was a yeah. bad team. Um, so he, he's sneaky upside as well. If you want to, if you want a cheaper option that, but I mean, if you have the, the funds for Carlos heel, um, he's your man. Um, breaking news. It, Carlos heel is very good at this game. Carlos heel in the stack. I know. Um, <laughs> and then, I mean, you have to go with Rioni. You have to go with Chunkalai. I think that you have to hope on that day that it's going to be a three, nothing <laughs> or a three, one win, um, where everyone is involved, both decisives for both of them. And heel is pulling the strings. And then the the kind of breakout player, like if you're going to add somebody to that stack who wasn't necessarily great last year as like a backup option, what do you think? If you want to go less risky, it's Noel Buck um, in that sense, just because he offers, um, he'll be hyped up um, if he has a good run of form or whatever. He, he, he has the ability also to score pretty highly um, when he gets involved in games. Um, so he could be an option. If you want a bigger punts, you could go Esmir as well. Um, just because, like I said, he's low cap, um, for however long cap is still in the game. Um, and he will be, um, most likely starting. Like I said, even if he doesn't start the first game with how much rotation that'll be, he'll get starts. So he will at least get a chance to prove himself from the start of the game onwards. There you go. There you have it. The new England revolution. I like this team, like. It's, it's one of those things where, like, you see how the season ended last year, and mm-hmm. you're like, uh, new coach, like, uh, like, you feel like a little weird. But if you take a look at this team, it's mostly the same from last year. There were some health issues on top of everything mm-hmm. else. This team gets healthy, and some of the things, like, work out. Rione takes a step up from last year. Like, this team might actually do some fun things, and Caleb Porter can do it. Is there... <laughs> Anything He's else? He's either going to that... win it or they're not making the playoffs. <laughs> yeah. Like no. they make the playoffs, they're pretty much winning MLS Cup. <laughs> Is there anything else you feel like people need to know about this team? Anything you feel that we maybe didn't cover? The top of my head, no. Um, like you said, I think that they offer. I think that the, I don't think the floor will fall out from them this year. Maybe year two or year three, Caleb Porter. Then that's when usually the shit starts to hit the fan. Yes. Uh, but year one, I'm assuming minimum they make the playoffs the hope is of course that they have at least um i guess now every team has one home playoff game but the host the hope is that they host um the best two out of three the higher seed yeah exactly um and i think that should be a realistic goal i'm last year in foxborough i think they lost three games um one including was the pittsburgh riverhounds um yeah shout out pittsburgh (laughs) riverhounds Um, gotta get it in there somehow (laughs) gotta get it in there so so if they if they can get home field advantage is massive for them so if classic um win at home tie and tie on the road we're in a good spot there you go so you're telling me they're going to be the eight seed and host the first (laughs) (laughs) they made a good run with the eight seed a few years ago yeah that's true chris you have anything else you want to let these folks know um i mean i want a rivals box so I have a rivals box. I have that up here are we doing doing live opening but live opening Bonus episode for all you sickos oh my God, who are still so here scared. with us after 40 minutes. I'm so scared. Oh, it's a card. Oh my oh. God, it's a card. Oh. Lee. That guy. Goalie. We. Oh, a goalie. A DNP we goalie. We take those boys. We take those Zero cap. all day long. Hey, I don't know, but I heard after this little update, people were wanting some goalies. So, uh, Dude, the zero cap goalie is new season. the best thing ever. 
new season. That's true. <laughs> Let's until go. the new season starts. <laughs> but thank you yeah. so much for coming. Uh, yeah, this was excellent. We'll have you back once the season starts. Uh, yeah, once sure. Chonkalai, you know, is better than Carlos Hill in SO5. And, uh, we'll come, and we'll come do some victory laps and talk about how I knew it before everybody else and I tweeted about it. So uh, <laughs> thanks so much, everybody, for being here. Uh, we're going to keep doing these. We're going to have a lot of fun. Hang out with us on the Discord. Hang out with us on Twitter. And we'll see you next time. Peace. See ya.